Okay, I have to talk about something because for the longest time, I never understood how like radio like survives in this day and age, like radio stations, like in the in the world of streaming, like how on earth does like broadcasting games via radio survive? But then doesn't matter why I was driving on Saturday during all of the games and I was listening to the radio broadcast of the Michigan game. And then when the Michigan game was done, I tuned into the Rutgers Michigan State game. And then after that game was done, I tuned into the Wisconsin Iowa game. Let me tell you, the broadcasters on the radio are a thousand times better than any TV network. I kid you not, because they're all homers, right? So you get like each team's like, you get each team's like broadcasting crew, and they're just like talking about like what like diehard fans would talk about. So specifically for the Iowa game, they are gawking over Tory Taylor and how immaculate this man's punts are. No way! It's it's incredible. You get you get some old like 90-year-old former player all-American from like 1932 as like the as like the player analysis guy and then the play-by-play I think for most of like the Big 10 teams are like national dudes that end up just calling these games but right. let me tell you if you can't watch a game and you are going and driving someplace you best put on the radio broadcast of those local because it is so much fun i get it now my dad used to listen to games all the time i understand i'm at that age now where it's like sometimes i might i might just turn on the michigan radio broadcast crew and it's all via like the uh this one app it's like the varsity network or something and it's free yes yep so okay follow-up question because i've seen this a couple of times this week where people will like, you know, those blind rankings that people do, and they name off five things in order. They kind of blind rank them. No, okay. Yeah. Never oh mind. no, well, sorry. I was, I was like, was does that require an answer? <laughs> yes, I do know. Yeah. Uh, so, I've seen it a couple of times where people blind rank where locations to watch games from. Okay. Okay. What if you had to choose where to watch a game from, either at home? at a friend's house, at a sports bar, or at the game, where would you go? What's your number one pick? Oh, number one is at the game. A thousand percent. Thank you. Every video I've been seeing is putting at the game, like, near the bottom of the list. Like, below at home and below at a friend's house. No. And I I don't get it. I don't get it. The only time where it would be not at the game and stick with me here the Super Bowl. I, I as a sports junkie, I would be perfectly fine never going to a Super Bowl because of the experience you have watching it with friends and like cuz it's like it's it's more than just the game. It's like the like the actual party, right? It's like a national holiday. Right. So that's and holidays are celebrated amongst friends and family. So like if you're going to a game, you're going with like one maybe two friends or family members or something like that. You're having a Super Bowl party. You're bringing the whole neighborhood in there, right? I actually, I actually agree with you on that. I think that's a great take. I think that's a great take. Yeah, putting putting at the game behind watching at home by yourself is like, 
just ludicrous to me. No, you know what that says? They're a bunch of poors that they can't afford to go to games like us rich people here. <laughs> us rich people where we we actually just go broke going to the games. That's what we do. That's where all That's my disposable income goes is to sporting events. I knew it. I knew it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you love Big Ten football, then you came to the right place. Welcome to Big Banter, everybody. If you're new here, make sure you like and make sure you follow wherever you're listening because you are not going to want to miss all the Big Ten and college football content we have throughout the year. And if you're a repeat listener, God, why haven't you just clicked the follow and subscribe button already? I mean, you're already coming back for more. We always leave you wanting more. So you might as well just make sure that we're front and center for you on your podcast page. Please hit the button and follow us on the socials at B1G Banter on threads and Instagram and then Twitter or X. I'm going to call it Twitter or X. Like that's the official name for me from here on out. I refuse to call it X. It doesn't make any sense to me. It will always be Twitter. Absolutely. At at B1G Banter Pod on, uh, on the Twitter. So Big Ten football. You know what we we've kind of been we've kind of been unenthused to this point about the conference because it's kind of exactly what we thought it would be. Penn State is dominating, Michigan is dominating, Ohio State is dominating, and we were waiting for someone else to arrive this year. We were hoping that someone else would arrive this year. And we had our eyes set on Wisconsin. Right? Iowa lost Kate McNamara. They lost Luke Lachey for the year. And so we thought Wisconsin, Wisconsin can be that team. They can come out of the Big Ten West as a top 15 ranked team and make the Big Ten championship game interesting. Well, Wisconsin went into this last Saturday in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West, and they were promptly removed from the vehicle. Iowa wins the Heartland Trophy from Wisconsin 15-6. to because why? Because the football gods hate the Big Ten. Tanner Mordecai left the game with a broken hand. Braylon Allen left the game for a little bit as well. Eric All, the other tight end from Iowa, he left the game and has a significant injury. Dude, it was the most Big Ten West football game I've ever seen. And the fact that Iowa comes out of there with Deacon Hill at quarterback and gets a dub and is now in the driver's seat to play in Indianapolis again. It is mind-numbing, Corey. It is mind-numbing. Listen, I understand this, and I get, like, why everybody is so upset, because this is now maybe – you can make a case for the third straight year where the Big Ten West just pales. and There's not even a single team that could duke it out with one of the three big three on the other side. But on the – on like on a serious note, can we give the Hawkeyes a little bit of credit here? Because despite like their own ineptitudes on offense, defensively they have been outstanding. And it's it's like a quiet like outstanding. They've kept their head down. There's not a whole lot of flash. There's not a whole lot of oh look at us. Like the stats don't jump off the page. But they're the team that's going out there and not letting, A, their mistakes, you know, bring them down, and B, take care of business. The whole story last year with the Big Ten West, it was that nobody is taking control of their own destiny. And then what do we get? We get Purdue literally falling into the Big Ten West division title. Now, the Big Ten West 
is still very bad. But we have a team in Iowa, despite all their shortcomings, that now have taken control of their own destiny by winning some pretty difficult games. Like, let's not push this to the side. Winning at Wisconsin is tough. Now, Mordecai, Braylon Allen got injured. I get that. I understand. But still, your offense is as terrible as it is, and your defense was on the field for the majority of the game, and you still figured out a way to win. To me, that tells me that they're at least a little bit scrappy. You know what I'm saying? I mean, scrappy, sure. But, like, the AP poll came out today. We're recording this on Monday night. And Iowa is sitting as the 24th-ranked team in the country in the AP poll. Now, we trash the AP poll all the time. It's it's more so for conversation than to be actually taken seriously. Do you truly believe that Iowa is the 24th-best team in the country? Because I do not. I Outside of the Big 3 and the Big 10, I personally don't think there's another top 25 team. I mean, probably not, but this was the same story with uh, with the Iowa team a few years ago that actually went undefeated. I think they started the season 10-0, and 11-0. They were, yeah, weren't they ranked in the top five at some point? I think they were almost as high as three, or maybe that was a different year. But regardless, it was like they, on paper, you could see like, okay, yeah, like they're not one of these one of these best teams in the nation. But still, they went out there and they won their games. And they're pen- they're getting penalized for getting locked into a lackluster schedule. But what about all of these teams in the All-American Conference? What about all these teams in the, um, the Sun Belt that show up and, you know, make their way through the AP poll because they're undefeated or they have an undefeated streak of 13 straight games? Like... The Cincinnati year, when they make it to the college football playoff. Like, did everybody really believe that they were a top-four team? No, but everybody thought, or everyone said they deserved to be there because they literally won every single game on their schedule up till the college football playoff. So, my my disappointment, I guess, is coming from the fact that going into this year, you had what you were hoping would be an Iowa offense with a pulse, adding Cade McNamara and Eric Hall. We haven't gotten that. Uh, Update on the Iowa points per game counter. It's at 20.9 now. You had a Wisconsin team that brought in Luke Fickle and Phil Longo and Tanner Mordecai, and you had Braylon Allen coming back. And so I I think we said it before the year, at least Ethan and I did, that we expected the Big Ten championship game to be a top 15 matchup and for whoever makes it to not have more than two losses. It it could still happen. It could still happen, but, man, I don't know. This is just such an underwhelming year where we actually had a little bit of optimism. We were saying, you know, can Maryland knock off an Ohio State, a Penn State, or Michigan? Can Iowa or Wisconsin go, you know, 10 wins and show a lot of improvement year over year? And, it just looks like the same old mid Big Ten West that someone's just going to go to Indy because they have to send someone, and it's going to be another soft game for whoever comes out of the East. Well, I mean, we were already kind of expecting that to an extent, a little bit, right? I mean, we were we were so happy. We were so happy that they were getting rid of divisions in the first place, and now you have Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA coming in in divisionless Big Ten play next year this is it 
this is the last year. So it's like one of those things, like it was inevitable that it was going to happen. It was, it was inevitable that, uh, the West was going to be worse than the East champion. Like these were things that we knew regardless of like the disparity between these teams that was going to happen this season. It's just disappointing that it's happening in this fashion. Now, to your point of, could we get a top 15 matchup? Yeah, it's possible. Um, and looking at Iowa's remaining schedule, their toughest game uh, left is at Nebraska. So this is what they have. They have Minnesota at home. They travel to Northwestern. They have Rutgers at home, which could be a tough game, but I like the Hawkeyes at Kinnick. That's probably going to be a night game. I think that's probably their toughest game is Rutgers. Then they have Illinois at home, and then they go to Nebraska on the road uh, to finish out the season. So, honestly, I I think it's well within reason that Iowa runs the table there or loses only one game. I don't think that's out of the question because we've seen what they can do as horrific and ugly and disgusting a football game can look. Iowa wins those games because... They play smart on defense. They get the turnovers when they need it to. And special teams. They have one of the best punters in the nation. And we laugh about that. We truly do. But in a crapshoot, emphasis on the crap, special teams does affect some things. And there's people in Iowa trying to get a Tory Taylor Heisman Trophy campaign going because of how well he's been playing this year. They should. He's the best freaking player on that team by a long shot. Speaking of just ugly football games. Wait, hold on. One point, and this is yeah. really quick. Iowa, the coaching staff, this is we're we're in the fashion portion of, of big banter. They had like these faded black hoodies with like it was like blackout like lettering that just said Iowa football on them. They were a little over those were so cool. Now, if there's any Iowa fans listening to the pod right now, I will give you all of the credit, all of the shout out if you send, specifically me, but if you send the hosts of Big Banter one of these hoodies, I don't know what we'll give you, but we'll give you something based off of based off of that gender because those hoodies are so cool. I digress. I actually didn't see them, but they they do sound legit. The, the way we got to the score in this game, 15-6, to six, uh, Wisconsin scored two field goals. Iowa scored two field goals, a safety, and a touchdown. There were total four field goals in this game and the same amount of safeties as touchdowns. The most Iowa way to do this. And Iowa fans are crazy. I just saw an article today of their very, very, very long shot way to the playoff. And it's... Oh, oh man. Could you Okay, so I saw someone say this too. Could you imagine Iowa so let's say they run the table and go 11 and 1. Let's say they go to Indianapolis and an act of god happens and they upset whoever comes out of the east. And let's say let's say the college football playoff happens. But all of that happens and they average Less than twenty five points per game. Oh my gosh! Does, Bri- does Brian Ferentz get, does Brian Ferentz get fired? In in a legitimate conversation here, I I I'm I go back and forth on this a little bit. I I don't necessarily think Kirk Ferentz is gone at the end of this year, 
But I have to imagine a conversation with Kurt goes, hey, if you want to keep your job, you have to fire Brian. Right. That's exactly what's going to happen. And Kirk will probably say, I, I can't do that. And no. they're going to kindly ask him to retire. No. There's – I – Personally, I don't think there's any way that Brian goes and Kirk stays. Oh, my I just goodness. don't see it happening. What a – I mean, shout out to family loyalty, but yikes, bro. Because if, if Brian goes and Kirk stays – what, what all's going to change? He's going to find some other old school OC that comes in and does the same thing. Not nah, it can't be worse. It just can't. It's it's literally impossible. Hold hold my beer. Oh hold gosh. Hold my beer says Kirk Ferentz. Oh no. Oh no. I know. I know. Well, let's get back to the Big 10 East cuz there are actually some teams worth talking about. Michigan Pounds, Indiana, 52-7. to Now, this one did not start off great. Michigan got down to a 7-0 deficit early on. Indiana scored on a trick play, and Michigan had a couple of three and outs to start the game. But this is these are Michigan's drives in that football game. Okay? Punt, punt, touchdown, 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 field goal, touchdown, touchdown, end of game. Is that good? It's not bad. JJ, once again, did not play in the fourth quarter. I mean, yeah, I feel like I feel like you and I and Ethan and the country at large are at this point with Michigan where based on the schedule and based off who they're playing, we expect them to go out and dominate. They are going out and dominating. They're not beating themselves. They're as good as advertised against these caliber of teams. So it's basically just a waiting game because all the, none of this matters for, for Michigan. In terms of their season goals, none of this matters because if they don't go out and play this way against Penn State and Ohio State and in the college football playoff, it's, it's a lost year. It's a wasted year with the talent and the roster and the experience. So this is great. I love watching this as a Michigan fan. I still get hyped watching the games and, and seeing them make plays and everything. But it all it's going to come down to is how they play against the big boys. I mean, am I right? Uh, no, you're absolutely right. I think we're all just kind of waiting in, in a healthy anticipation of what this team's going to look like when they play the Penn States, even to an extent the Maryland and then obviously Ohio State. Um, and yeah, Maryland too. Just uh, just teams with more of a pulse and more talent. And honestly, I think how this. The stars are aligning for Michigan, and I think more than just like the returning roster, how the schedule has played out as well. Some people will look at the Maryland game as like the trap game, which, yes, it could be that way. But everybody in America knows that Michigan's three toughest games remaining on the schedule are their final three games. And when you have all three of those games in a row, I think it's pretty hard for you to overlook teams in the midst of that three-game stretch. So Michigan's taking care of business right now. They're playing their absolute, you know, to the, you know, to impress the rest of the country. Um, but they're going to get to their meat of their schedule, and I think you're going to see an even uh, more stark focus on the goals that are ahead because it's like, hey, if we want to get to where we need to be, we need to take care of the Penn States. We need to take care of Maryland at their place. And then, of course, you don't need to get hyped up for Ohio State because 
you know, that's been the crown jewel for the past three seasons. So um, it's been to see Michigan go from the beginning of the year when Harbaugh wasn't there to now where he is coaching and has everybody on the same page. There has been a difference in the performance of this team. And I think the rest of the country is taking notice. I will say one thing specific to this game. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of film watched by opposing teams from the first few drives of Indiana because Indiana was moving the ball pretty effectively against Michigan to the point where I was sitting on a couch and I was like, "Mm, don't really like this right now. And it was just quick passes. Uh, I think Sorbsby or whatever his name is, I don't know, Indiana was doing the two quarterback thing, Um, was getting the ball out of his hands almost instantly. And they were going down the field and then a gadget play gets their only touchdown. So Um, I think you're going to see some teams tried with that strategy, but obviously Michigan's talent and their adjustments in the second half made them pull away from this game. So um, that's what I got from this game. Yeah. I, I hear you about their, they're probably going to get more amped up and more focused for the bigger games than what they're seeing right now. And I think, this next week is going to help out a lot with that because they play Michigan State. So it's easy to get up and get focused for a rivalry game as opposed to what they've needed to do thus far, which is they could basically sleepwalk through games and put out the kind of performances that they're putting out. So I think that kind of focus for Michigan starts this coming week when they play for Paul Bunyan in East Lansing, which I will be at the game. Grace and I, it'll be our – It'll be our first wow. date night. <laughs> It'll be our first date night away from uh, away from the baby, and it's for a Michigan game, so it's perfect. They better not lose, otherwise, I'm blaming the both of you. I would absolutely blame us too. You know, the only game I went to last year was the Illinois game, and I was I was stressing the whole time because I was like, if this ends up being the only game they lose, and I came to it, I just I don't know what I'll do with myself. I was watching that game by myself at my house and I was losing my mind. Like I was like hair was falling off of my head. I was throwing like couch cushions. It was bad. Thankfully, Jake Moody is the truth. And uh, the trip to Indy a couple weeks later was very sweet. So, Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Another team who was trying to make their case that they might be the best in the East and they might deserve a trip to Indy, Ohio State. They go into Purdue, into Ross Aid, and they spoil the spoiler maker's attempts to spoil. Did that that came out right? It, it, it came out right, but man, Purdue has let me down so much this year already. Yeah, they they really did. I predicted they were going to cover in this one, and it. It wasn't even close to happening. And the thing is, Ohio State was missing some people. Like, Emeka Buka was out. Uh, Travion Henderson was out. Mayan Williams was out. They were actually down to their fourth string running back because, um, what's his name, Ch- uh, Chip Trainum ended up having to leave in this one, too, because he got whacked pretty hard. So they were down to their fourth string running back, and they put out their best offensive performance of the year to this point. They had... Or not they, but Kyle McCord, he played great. 276 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, which is huge. Dallin Hayden, who came in at running back, 76 yards and a touchdown. Marvin Harrison, over 100 yards receiving and a touchdown. And then I think a bright spot for Ohio State that no one's really talking about, Cade Stover at tight end. He's having a heck of a year. Like, he is 
an absolute weapon for the offense, and he had two touchdowns on Saturday. So I thought this was by far and away Ohio State. It's not their most impressive win, obviously. They beat Notre Dame, um, and they beat Maryland. But I think it was their most well-rounded performance so far, which it comes on a very good week going into Penn State. Listen, this is just what Ohio State does. I mean, they they are the closest thing to we don't rebuild, we retool in the Big Ten from this past decade. Um, and the plethora of questions from the beginning of the year was what was going to happen at quarterback, who was going to replace C.J. Stroud. And we've had all this discussion. Are they soft? Are they the elite team that they once were? They're undefeated right now with a – very impressive win on the road that we always talk about. And people are trying to say that this Ohio State team isn't the Ohio State teams of all. That may be true, but until that happens, we can't say it because they're taking care of business. They go to uh, the boogeyman themselves for whatever reason they had issues with Purdue, and they made a statement and said this game wasn't even going to be close without, without some of their top talent. I... Let's not overlook that at all. Buka wasn't playing. You said fourth-string running back, correct? Like, I get it. It's Purdue. Purdue's no good. But they went into their building, and they dropped 40 on them. Okay? So. Yeah, they they did. And honestly, I keep waiting for the other shoe to drop with Ohio State. I've been very vocal that I think they're the third-best team in this in this conference, in this division, I thought it was going to happen against Notre Dame. I honestly thought Maryland was going to keep things close. I thought Purdue was going to keep things close. And every single time, Ohio State has proved me wrong. Now, has it looked great all the time? No. No. Which keeps making me think I'm right about them. Like Notre Dame, they needed a dropped interception and, and two plays where they were on the power play to throw a hockey reference in there to end the game. Maryland pooped all over themselves, and <laughs> and Purdue is Purdue. So do I still think Ohio State is the third best team in the conference? Yes. But do they also still keep winning games yeah. and winning games by way more than I thought they would? 100%. It's... This is a different – like you said, this is a different Ohio State team. They're, they're a completely different style of football team than what we're used to seeing from them. They, they're different, but in some ways they're the same because they keep taking care of business. You know, whether whether or not they are completely different, that's that'll we'll see a lot in this Penn State game. We'll see a lot from the remaining bits of their schedule. But if we're going to be, I'm I'm going mean, to we need to be partial. If we're going to be gawking over Michigan beating Indiana, fifty two to seven, we have to give Ohio State their flowers when they go on the road and beat Purdue, forty one to seven. So I I mean. It's still, they're still putting up results. And until they stop, we got we to gotta give them credit. Yeah, you're 100%. Because this was an impressive win. To do it in the fashion that they did it is impressive. Because they hadn't won a game like that all year, where they just kind of won it running away. Right. And they finally did that. Well, won it running away and right away. There was no question that this game was in, was in the balance whatsoever. Yeah, I think they got up to a 34-to-zip lead before Purdue actually scored a point. So it was 
never in doubt. Because the Maryland game was close. The, uh, the Notre Dame game was close. This one was a game where it's like, nope, they've got this game in the bag. Now, don't get it twisted. Please do not get it twisted. I hate Ohio State with every fiber of my being. I don't I don't want anybody thinking I'm getting soft. But, but, there's a reason they've dominated this conference for more than a decade. I want to ask you a question, but I don't want to accidentally reveal your pick for the Ohio State Penn State game next week. So, you know what? I'm just You can ask. I'm just going to tape. Maybe it's still up in the air. Are you Okay, here's how I'll ask it. I in my mind have a firm belief that I am very confident in that I know what the order of the top 3 teams are in the Big 10 East. Do you have the a similar amount of confidence in what order you think the teams in the Big Ten East are going to finish at the top? Um, I think I have firm confidence in number one, where number two and number three lie. I don't know where that confidence lies. Okay, that answers it, and it didn't give away your pick. What a per- what a perfect little tease! I've been I've been thinking, you know. You are such a pro. Oh, my gosh. Such a pro. All right. Let's get to – man, this might have been the best game of the weekend, Big Ten-wise. Rutgers overcomes an 18-point deficit against Michigan State at home in New Jersey for homecoming, and they beat the Spartans 27-24. to Rutgers football. That has to be the most joy you've ever gotten out of doing that, right? No, because they didn't cover. (laughs) That's right. You picked them to cover, and you told us you were going to gain a game on us. Yeah, I should have. I mean, I said they were going to win. Ethan was on here saying that. But, uh, again, all of us made a pick last week that we were not too proud of. But... No, I, I'm i all aboard this Rutgers train this year. I think having Shiano back is, I mean, the, that was the most successful Rutgers teams we've ever seen is under Greg Shiano. So why not, if you're only going to peak at that, why not bring the guy back that got you to peak at that level? Um, I got to listen to the tail end of this game. And like I said at the beginning of the pod, I was listening on the radio. And let me tell you, like, if if you did not have any scope of like what was going on in the country, as far as the big 10 country, like with Michigan, Ohio state, and you were just listening to the Rutgers game, you would think that they are the number two team in the country. And they just had the most fantastic win that they've ever seen. Special teams in the fourth quarter alone was unreal for this team. Now shades of trouble with the snap, for the Michigan game happened to Michigan state. So I think Michigan fans seeing that were a little bit vindicated. I would, I would, uh, I would assume. Um, but man, kudos to Rutgers. Their, their thing is what keep chopping. Right. I think, I think Michigan's both, both, both programs. Things are keep chop. Well, maybe now that tuck's gone, keep chopping is no longer. It was definitely a Rutgers thing before it was a, before it was a Michigan State thing. so It was. So this was, I mean, this was the battle of keep chopping. This should become a new trophy game. Ooh, it should. 
with a couple of axes. Oh, dude! And this is the second year in a row where Michigan State has just blown a lead against Rutgers. I forgot Did they th- lose to Rutgers. Last they year? lost to Rutgers last year, and it, they went, I think, into double overtime in the fourth quarter as well. So Michigan State lost two years in a row to Rutgers in the fourth quarter in games that they had locked away. That's right. So I forgot about that. Is Rutgers the new Michigan State boogeyman? I would think so. But on a serious note, it's gotten to the point for this Michigan State football team that literally nothing is going right for them this year. And, like, I, I do almost feel a little bit bad because, like, I throw it back to, like, my Michigan fandom and everything. The COVID year was about rock bottom as it could have gotten for this program outside of the 2007 Rich Rod year where they finished 3-7, and seven, I think. Um, and at some point, you just have to look at the rest of your football schedule and just uh, embrace what you can what you can find joy in. Like, Michigan State this year is not their year. Like, and I think most Michigan State fans would agree, and I'm not trying to pile on. How are you going to retool for next year? What are you going to do as far as the coaching search? Are you really going to go all in on the Urban Meyer train? Whether that's legitimate or not, we're still kind of figuring that out. I've heard most likely not. But are you going to make a statement, and not a statement where you kind of threw a bag at Mel Tucker um, late into the coaching hiring cycle, like, Who's going to be your guy? Go and own that guy. Go and own that coaching search. Because honestly, Michigan State, from this past decade, played their way into a contender conversation for a Big Ten championship based off of what D'Antonio had built and laid the foundation for. How do you maintain that? You have to have a clear-cut target for your head coach. And you have to go and do everything that you can to get that person. No last-ditch effort. No throw a bag at somebody because there's nobody else to go. Go make a plan and go out and get your guy. Now let's pivot and and talk about Rutgers, the the winning team in this game. Because they freaking, man, what a tough team. What a fun team to actually watch right now. Like, they... They're doing something very unruckers like. I mean, their preseason win total before the year, three and a half. And they are sitting at five and two. They're going to make a bowl game. And just the style in which they won this game. I was, I was checked out after a little bit because they went into the fourth quarter 24 to six. They were down. And I was like, well, this isn't happening. And this is what, this is what happened in the fourth quarter. So Rutgers, the, the trouble with the snap for Michigan State happens ball goes through the punter's hands Rutgers recovers for a touchdown they force a three and out from MSU then they go on a 12 pay, play 73 yard drive Rutgers does for a touchdown then they pooch it on the ensuing kickoff the Michigan State player lets it bounce inexplicably it goes straight up in the air Rutgers catches it and it's a one play uh, touchdown drive to take the lead 27 to 24 and that was how the game ended. I mean, the special team's ineptitude for Michigan State in the fourth quarter was just laughable. And Rutgers, man, freaking Rutgers, look at you go. They are on the precipice of making, uh, of becoming bowl eligible, needing only one more win. Meanwhile, Michigan State is sitting 2-4, and four, and these are their remaining games. Okay, They need four to make a bowl game. Here's what they've got left. Michigan, loss. Minnesota on the road. Let's say it's a win. 
Nebraska, let's say it's a win, but I'm not convinced. Ohio State loss. Indiana, let's say it's a win. And Penn State. That's three more, and Nebraska's up in the air. I don't think they get there. But honestly, I, do you want to? Like, I think they're just trying to play this season to get it over with and get out. Uh, that's what I, I. That's what I'd be trying to do. I think they are too. I think they're. I think they're done. They've already put Kate and Hauser in to see what they have in him. And Rutgers, man, can, good for you guys. Can we talk about Rutgers for just a little bit more? Because Rutgers is the new darling for me. Rutgers is this year's Pence or Purdue for me. Yes, we can. Let's talk about freaking Kyle Menungai running for Stud. 148, 148 yards, averaging six point one a carry Stud. in this game. Stud, absolute freak. And I, honestly, Wimsat has his struggles as a passer, but. Having an athletic quarterback anywhere will make a difference maker in college. Like, obviously, NFL is a different story. But you, Wimsat's an athlete, and I believe he has – does he have one more year? He's a junior. He's a junior this year. So you're going to come back. He's going to come back next year, be a senior. And if he can improve on his passing game just a little bit, Rutgers might slide into that conversation that Maryland was a little bit here of like that team that could be like on the precipice of the east side but we're going to go divisionless. So, but listen, Rutgers, do your thing, man. Go go get in a good bowl game. I saw a projection that had them playing USC in the Las Vegas Bowl this year. Go go show those blokes out in the Pac-12 who are going to come into the big into the Big 10 what Big Ten football is all about, and go punch him in the mouth. Let's do this thing. Keep chopping Rutgers football. Could you imagine if Rutgers beats USC in a bowl game on the precipice of them coming to the Big Ten for the first time? Welcome to Big Ten football. Dude, that would be the freaking bowl game of the year. Oh, my gosh. Lincoln Riley can suck on rock on Rutgers. It's <laughs> good one. <laughs> Shut up. I got a little tripped up for a minute there. Rutgers gets me too excited. I got tripped up. Rutgers um, football. That's a good way to close it out. Penn State destroys Don Brown's UMass Minutemen 63 to nothing. I mean, not much to say here. Penn State is doing what Michigan is doing. They look flawless. They don't beat themselves. Solid quarterback play. I've seen, I've seen this storyline, though, hovering around on Twitter where uh, Penn State's explosive play rate, so plays over 20-plus yards, not not good. Like Drew Aller, I think, went one for five against UMass and throws over 20 yards. Um, and, and that's something Ohio State got way better at this year compared to last year. So going into that game, something to keep an eye on and, and think about, keep that in the back of your head as you're watching this, is Penn State capable of having explosive plays through the air? I honestly thought they would have more explosive plays on the ground than they have to this point because Singleton and Allen are absolute dogs in the backfield. But can Drew Aller stretch it out enough and stretch the field enough to to beat Ohio State? Do they have those wide receivers to do that? We'll see. I don't know. Do you have anything to add with Penn State? I mean, this was almost a bye week for them. Um, Not really. I don't like that there's a non-conference this late in the year, but – that's not their fault because they had they opened up the season against West Virginia. They probably had one of the more compelling games to open um, the season with. Um, we're we're at that level with Penn State. Let's see what they can do. 
against the big boys. You beat West Virginia. You beat um, everybody else in the Big Ten. You beat Iowa pretty handedly, which is now most likely going to be your West representative. Um, like, we're ready. We're ready to see what what you can do. Um, and to your explosive play point, um, shades of Michigan last year, you know, they were saying, they were saying, oh, they can't make the big play. And how did Ohio State lose that game? Well, they gave up some pretty explosive plays. So I wouldn't just say, oh, they're not capable of doing that because that's, that's what gets you hurt. Because um, this Penn State team is athletic. They're very good. They can run the ball. Um, and they do have an inexperienced quarterback. But how do you get an experienced quarterback over the course of a year? Um, so I don't really have any other thoughts that would bleed that wouldn't bleed into the matchup against Ohio State so I'll save that for the next episode. Did you like Penn State's jerseys? I love them. Oh I dude, love I love those. I love the I love numbers on the side of helmets. Give me those all the time. Me me too, especially with Penn State's helmets. It, it spices them up a little bit. Like, you know, a, a crisp clean white helmet is awesome, but the navy blue numbers, I love that on their helmets. I wish they'd do that full time. I'm all about it. Like helmet stickers, numbers, give me it. It's college football. Let's get crazy. All right, last game, and we save this for last because it's the most disgusting one to talk about. Illinois somehow, some way, makes Maryland feel worse than they did after last week, beating them 27 to 24. I don't know how this happened. I don't know how this happened. Um, I wasn't paying attention to this game because it didn't seem and it's still not a game worth paying attention to in terms of the national uh national storylines big 10 storylines all that stuff because illinois is playing spoiler for the rest of the year and maryland is just trying to not make their season go any worse i mean we talked about them having just this huge letdown against ohio state when you had a chance to make a statement and now you get tripped up against one of the worst teams in the conference so far like what are we what are we doing? You allowed 206 passing yards to this team? 131 on the ground? What are we What are we doing? I mean, Talia alone and Roman Hemby alone should be enough to beat this Illinois team. And, you know, Loxley said before the year at Big Ten Media Days that this was a team he felt like where he could finally say he's ready to compete for Big Ten championships. Go back to the drawing board, Loxley, because this ain't it. Yeah, you... It almost seems like a little bit of uninspired football. Um, and it's not like Illinois was, you know, burning the barn out here. I'm looking at some of these stats. Maryland was held to under 100 rushing yards in this game. Um, but Maryland or uh, Illinois only had 131 rushing yards. So, like, I guess there's not that much of a discrepancy. But this game's at home. You just got your pants pulled down against Ohio State in a game that you very well had a had a chance of winning um man what an absolute letdown like you have a chance to go out and say hey you know we made some mistakes um but we're gonna go take care of business of an inferior opponent and then you let them come into your building and steal a game from you when you're trying to take steps forward in this conference yikes i i just you know it's one of those games that makes you scratch your head but also another one of those games that should be a warning for other teams. Like you can't overlook anybody in college football and even specifically here in the big 10 too. Um, because 
you know, there will be somebody someday that's going to catch you on a bad day and they're going to do just enough to keep the game close and maybe steal a win from you. Um, that's what happened with this Illinois team last year against Michigan. Just barely, barely lost at the big house. Um, and this year they got one out of Maryland. So kudos to the fighting Illini in a difficult season, but Maryland, you should be ashamed of yourself. Scott Van Pelt is angry at you. Yeah, I think uninspired was the best word for that performance because it feels like they let one disappointing loss turn into two, and they didn't have to let that happen. All right, well, folks, if you're here till the end, thank you. We've had to drag you through a couple of performances, and hopefully we made it entertaining to listen to, listen to. but please come back next week because I don't know about you, Corey, this next week coming up, favorite week of Big Ten football to this point. You have Ohio State, Penn State, the creme de la creme, a top seven matchup. Uh, you've got first-year starter Drew Aller trying to prove himself. First-year starter Kyle McCord, who's coming off his best game as a Buckeye. You've got the Avenge the Tunnel game. You've got Michigan traveling to East Lansing in the shadow of the tunnel incident from last year, battling for Paul Bunyan. You've got Wisconsin, Illinois. So Brett Belima or, or Belima, sorry, coaching against his old team. My favorite week thus far. So I, I think there's going to be some good games to talk about. I'm, I'm looking forward to Iowa, Minnesota, because that's the appetizer. You sicko. I'm just saying. You sicko. I, you know what? I like punts. I want to see Tory Ta- Taylor punt some balls. Why not? You know what? I Tor- you know what? when I text Tory for Heisman. When I text when I text out the game assignments then for who's watching what you're getting Iowa Minnesota. I'm then. I am I am for it. Tory for Heisman. Let's you know what Hawkeyes fans, I'm with you. This is this is my one sicko team for the year cuz Rutgers is my darling. My sicko team for the year. Let's start a Tory for Heisman campaign right now. Let's get it cooking at at Big Banter, okay? We're behind you. Let's do this thing together. Uh, well, like I said, if you stuck with us till the end of the episode, appreciate it. Again, follow us on the socials, uh, Instagram and threads at B1G Banter, Twitter or X at B1G Banter Pod. Again, tune in next week. These games are going to be super hype, and we actually have a high-level game with college football playoff implications it's going to be great. And then make sure you listen on Thursday, too, for the picks because we're crushing the picks this year, people. If you want to make money, I'm 37 and 27. Ethan's 37 and 27. Corey's 36 and 28. There are a lot of professional sports gamblers who are not putting up the numbers that the three of us are right now. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we know ball or something, you know? <laughs> I mean, the numbers don't lie. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Peace.